2: Welcome back to another episode of the Packaday Podcast. You can get all your Packaday updates by following us on Twitter at Packaday Podcast. And remember to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, or Spotify. And of course, you can always check us out at CheeseHeadTV.com. My name is Kyle Fellows, and I'm joined by my co host, Andrew Mertig. Andrew, it is good to be back for another Friday edition of the show. How in the heck
3: are you? I am doing great. We are back. We had the 100th episode last week. We're, we're ready to go with the next 100 episodes. And I do know there's a lot of gnashing of teeth going around around the Packers community because of the season. And some of it is certainly deserved. But after weeks of negativity, I am ready to bring some positive energy to today's show.
2: Absolutely. Uh, You're here to bring uh, some positivity and I'm here to bring some realism. So we're going to mix those things together (laughs) and we're going to we're going to talk a little bit about maybe a little bit of an upcoming offseason that's looming. Um, Now, Andrew and I both agree that we are nowhere near ready to give up on this 2018 season. There's a lot of football left to be played, but I do think it's worth taking a look ahead to this offseason season it's really, you know, right in front of Brian Gutekunst. He's going to have a lot of big decisions to make. Um, and this is especially relevant with all the rumors and the grumblings surpri- uh, surrounding a needed culture change and a potentially even uh, considering a coaching change. So uh, let's start there, Andrew. What, what do we think about this uh,
3: rumor about having a coaching change in Green Bay? Yeah, I do think it's really interesting, um, all the people calling for Mike McCarthy's head. And certainly I've been frustrated in the past and and looked into potential coaching replacements. But I don't really believe in the whole message is getting stale or the losing the locker room talk. It is, however, undeniable that Green Bay hasn't been really good the last few years. And I do want people to recognize that despite that, Mike McCarthy is a really good coach. Um, He has the third highest winning percentage of any active coach with at least 50 wins. He led the team to the third longest consecutive playoff streak of all time and quite frankly hasn't had the talent to do his job effectively over the last few years. I'm not saying they should keep McCarthy, uh, but the reality is there are tons of failed new coaches and the grass isn't always greener on the other side. I will say I adamantly disagree with any idea of a midseason firing because, first of all, I think you at least owe Mike McCarthy to make it through the end of the season for what he's done for the Green Bay Packers. And two, if you promote Mike Pettin as the interim, I don't think there's much of a chance of bringing him back as a defensive coordinator if the new head coach wanted to keep him around. So there's a strategic standpoint on top of the loyalty part. Absolutely. I 100% agree.
2: And I'm not going to lie, I've spent some time as well sifting through uh, the potential 2019 NFL head coaching candidates. And the guys from I think it was Wednesday's show did a great job breaking down uh, some of the options that will be likely talked about, um, whether that's in Green Bay or around the league. But Andrew's right. Uh, sometimes the grass isn't greener on the other side. And a lot of these coaching options are going to be really unproven. So that is a little bit scary. Uh, the good news in this is that if the Packers do decide to move on from Mike McCarthy, Green Bay's coaching vacancy will be highly sought after. And Mark Murphy should get his pick of the litter out of these all these you know young, rising um, developmental, you know, emerging coaches. So um, let's switch gears just a little bit here and talk on the roster construction side of things. Uh, obviously, what Brian Gutekunst can do to improve this roster is going to be largely limited by the state of the salary cap, and the Packers really did just give Aaron Rodgers that record-setting contract. Uh, But Brian Kudekunst has said he wants to be active in free agency, which is a little bit of a pivot from previous years. Uh, So realistically, the question is, are the Packers really going to have the money to spend to improve this roster?
3: Yeah, that's an interesting thing to take a look at, because obviously part of that HaHa Clinton-Dix trade was getting that pick so that they didn't risk losing a compensatory selection later on once all of those balance sheets come out about the free agents that they do sign. So as is, the Packers looked poised to have a little bit over $41 million in cap space this upcoming offseason. If we do a rough estimate that, you know, about $5 million will be needed to sign draft picks, I actually think it'll be a little bit higher than that, but that's hard to, to calculate at this point. That, that's going to leave Green Bay with around $36 million to sign players. Yeah, that's a considerable amount of money.
2: Uh, so, you know, big-name players like Randall Cobb and Clay Matthews coming off the books is clearly going to, you know, give the Packers some cap room to work with, some wiggle room. Uh, but Brian Gutekunst has shown that he's not afraid to make some bold moves. And so I do wonder if we should maybe expect some other moves to be made uh, to free free up even
3: more cap space. Yeah, and I think there's a few moves that make sense um, in that regard. Number one, taking a look at cutting Nick Perry. First of all, it's that's a little bit of a tough pill to swallow because it does leave a ton of dead money, but they finally moved into the point of that contract where they actually get a net positive, and overall that would save the Packers about $3.6 million. Brian Balaga is going to be tough to replace, but if the Packers feel confident that uh, Jason Spriggs is ready. It would save Green Bay six point seven five million dollars, and releasing Tremon Williams would actually save them four point seven five million dollars. So that, on top of a few other maybe odds and ends, uh, players like Trevor Davis and and Kyle Murphy could be cut for um, a savings of about seven hundred twenty thousand dollars each. And that would, you know, if if the Packers made those five moves, that would leave them with about $57 million under the cap. And that can do a lot of damage.
2: Yeah, that is a big number and could go a long way for sure. Tremont Williams would definitely be an interesting release. Uh, A lot probably hinges on the health of Kevin King uh, and the development of Josh Jackson, but clearing that 4.5 million could be enough to cause the Packers to move on from Williams. Uh, but let's say the Packers do find themselves in a position to spend. You've got to think that pass rush is probably something that they'll be looking to improve either through the draft or free agency. Uh, Andrew, who are some of the big names that you've heard that would be available to the Packers at the edge rush position next year?
3: Yeah, we've mentioned in previous podcasts that the Packers could potentially spend both of their first-round picks on edge rushers, but if they're going to have money available, an experienced pass rusher is um, definitely a great way to spend a little bit of that change that they got laying around, um, and this is a year that could see some edge rushers like Preston Smith, Brandon Graham, Dante Fowler, Frank Clark, uh, Shaquille Barrett, um, Shane Ray Um a, hit free agency, and certainly having the kind of money to spend that the Packers potentially could, could go a long ways to fixing some of those issues on defense. And actually there are some even bigger name vets like Carlos Dunlap, Terrell Suggs, and Cameron Wake, who could come in and help in their veteran years. Also, Jadavian Clowney and D. Ford, while they're pretty unlikely to hit the market, could be that big edge rush split Uh, splash that um, the Packers are looking for since they missed out on Khalil Mack. Absolutely. You know, one name I didn't hear you say uh, is Anthony Barr. Um, Is there any chance that, you know, the Packers would consider Barr? That is a really interesting one. I was primarily focused on edge rushers and, you know, Barr is more of a hybrid player in the 3-4. He's probably going to play Inside linebacker on early downs and then maybe move outside uh, because he does have some some pass rush moves. Um he'd be absolutely perfect in the middle of Green Bay's defense now that you mention it. And I think the Vikings are gonna be pretty tight up against the cap. Uh they do have some wiggle room with some of their current contracts, so I don't think it's a sure thing that they let Bar walk, but with the Cousins contract, that might put them in a tough situation, and it could be absolutely a great move for the Packers. Barr and Blake Martinez would probably be perfect compliments to each other and would give Green Bay's defense, I think, one of the best inside linebacker duos in the league. Plus, I mean, it would be pretty awesome to steal one of the Vikings' best players. Obviously, that would be a huge, uh, you, know, uh, you know, cherry
2: on top to doing something like that. Would you think, you know, obviously there's a little bit of history here with Barr and yeah. you know, Aaron Rodgers, how much do you think that factors in and would Green Bay even consider a move like that with that, uh, you know, that locker room a potential issue there?
3: Well, you'd hope Brian Gutekunst would approach Aaron Rodgers before making a deal like that. Uh, but I, from all things that I've seen, it seems like Rodgers can let that one slide into the past and um, with a talent like a like an Anthony Barr probably could uh, make room in the locker room for him. Absolutely. You think at some point the professionalism probably weighs uh, heavily, but
2: you never know what those kinds of things and grudges the players might hold. Um, I know the fans certainly show uh, a little <laughs> bit of a grudge there with that one. But uh, safety is definitely another position of need for the Packers. Uh, in the last couple of weeks, we've lost Ha Clinton-Dix to trade. And then, of course, this week. Uh, Whitehead was shipped off after his unsportsmanlike conduct penalty against the Patriots. Uh, Tremont Williams is playing safety now. Uh, We're about to find out what Josh Jones is made of. So obviously that is a position that's in flux. Uh, Andrew, are there some free agents next offseason that could interest the Packers and that they could target to to make that unit one that's a a little bit better than it currently is?
3: Yeah, um, I'm looking at the, the free agency list right now, and there's definitely some impact safeties who... Could potentially become free agents. The contracts are up for Lamarcus Joyner, Earl Thomas, Tyron Matthew, Jimmy Ward, and Ricardo Allen from the the Falcons. They are all potential free agents.
2: Those are definitely some big names, uh, and lots of fans, you know, were calling for Matthew this past off season. And then we obviously heard the Earl Thomas trade rumors, and he was a hot name uh, before the trade uh, deadline. And then, of course, unfortunately, he broke his leg. Uh, But he should be fully healthy when we reach free agency. And that Earl Thomas name is definitely going to command big dollars when when that comes around.
3: Yeah, so... We know it's way too early to be talking about this stuff, but Brian Gutekunst could fix this roster in a massive way even before the Packers hit the draft. And, of course, they have all sorts of ammunition going into the draft. So there may be some major changes this upcoming offseason. But even if you're already ready to quit on 2018, there are still some major things to be optimistic about in the near future. Absolutely. That was a ton of fun. And now we shift gears a little bit uh, from the
2: future to the present. Um, others have chimed in this week, uh, with some newsworthy items, but we wanted to share some of our thoughts on the current state of the Packers. And we want to start with the Geronimo Allison injury.
3: Yeah, I mean, Geronimo Allison being out is certainly going to hurt. And a lot of people are going to be looking for the young wide receivers to step up in his absence the rest of the season. But certainly the Packers wanted to see what their receiving core was going to look like with Devontae Adams, Geronimo Allison, and then Marquez Marquez I should say his name is pronounced Marquez <laughs> get that right Valdez Scantling and Equinemius St. Brown going forward so that that certainly hurts but another interesting move for me was the release of Jermaine Whitehead Whitehead wasn't really playing well on defense anyways but it is surprising to see him released after being elevated to to a starter just a few weeks ago. Whitehead was one of the best, uh, best special team players on the Packers last year, so that part of the release was certainly shocking because they could have just moved him back to a special teamer. I guess the Packers feel pretty comfortable with how Tremont filled in at safety last week to move forward with um, getting rid of their second safety in the same amount of weeks. Yeah, the Jermaine Whitehead move was like
2: kind of puzzling to me. I just felt like it was kind of a snap decision. But let me ask you this, Andrew: um, Who are the two players that Packers fans have been begging all
3: season uh, to see get more
2: playing time?
3: Um, well, who, who Aaron comes Jones. To mind there. Aaron Jones is one of them. Okay. And probably Josh
2: Jones. Yeah, that's exactly who I was thinking. So I have a conspiracy theory here. And, you know, Packer fans on Twitter can tell me that I'm crazy or, you know, buy in. And this is just, you know, a great conspiracy theory. But it seems that these are two players who've been buried a little bit on the depth chart. And so it's interesting to me that, you know, you have Ty Montgomery who makes one mistake. You know, there's obviously other contributing factors, but he makes one big mistake and then he's gone. And then you've got Jermaine Whitehead and he's not, you know, not playing amazing, but he makes one big mistake and then he's gone. And these are two guys who were burying Aaron Jones and Josh Jones on uh, the depth chart. And suddenly there's a lot more snaps to go around for those guys. So I just am curious if, you know, maybe there's a little bit of a conspiracy here that, you know, if Mike McCarthy's not playing the guys that Brian Gutekunst thinks that he should be playing, maybe Brian's just saying, I'm going to pave the way for you to have to, to play these guys so I can see if they're any good uh, and just get that, you know, uh, get the ball into these guys' hands and get Josh Jones on the field. So that's my conspiracy theory. Uh, it's probably crazy.
3: Well, and maybe Brian Gutekunst is just reading the Twitter comments of all Packernation Packer Nation. Absolutely. I, I like to think he's reading mine. One guy, one guy I know is not on Twitter and has definitely never been accused of listening to the fans is Ted Thompson. (laughs) Um, And I I wanted to take a minute to talk about Ted going into the Packers Hall of Fame. I know people still have hard feelings about the lack of free agency usage and some of his recent drafts, but Ted Thompson is going to go down as one of the greatest drafters in the storied history of the Green Bay Packers. As fans, I think we should be thankful for Thompson's vision to bring in Aaron Rodgers. But it's also important to remember that he drafted David Bakhtiari, Mike Daniels, Nick Collins, Clay Matthews, Josh Sitton, TJ Lang, Jordy Nelson, Casey Hayward, Kenny Clark, Greg Jennings, Devontae Adams, Jermichael Finley, Corey Lindsley, Randall Cobb, Brian Bulaga, BJ Raji, James Jones, Micah Hyde, Mason Crosby, Morgan Burnett, Blake Martinez, and hey, yeah, Aaron Jones, too all without the benefit of having a lot of high draft selections. So, a big congratulations to Ted. Thanks for all you did for the Green Bay Packers organization, and I think history is going to remember Ted Thompson very fondly.
2: Absolutely. I've always been a big fan of of Ted Thompson, and it really is incredible, not only what he was able to do in the early rounds of the draft, uh, but also those middle rounds where he was able to find those hidden gems. So, uh, yeah, thanks, Ted Thompson, for all he did, and you're, so you're convinced that he does not have a Twitter account? Is this true?
3: Um, I'm fairly certain.
2: Okay. I mean, he could be lurking out there somewhere, but uh, I guess we'll just have to wait and see. I'd love to see him pop up someday and just reveal himself. <laughs> uh, <laughs> let's, uh, let's move on a little bit. Uh, this week, the Packers, believe it or not, do have a game this Sunday. And uh, a home game at Lambeau Field against the Miami Dolphins might be just what this team needs to get back on track. Uh, when talking about the team's recent frustrations, wide receiver Devontae Adams said that he felt that they really just needed one get-right game. Uh, well, the Miami Dolphins are a 5-4 and four football team, but in my opinion, they're really not as good as that record suggests. Uh, they've gotten wins against the Titans and the Jets twice, and the Raiders and the Bears. Now, Chicago is probably the only team there that you'd consider would have playoff chances. Uh, there's really no easy win in the NFL. We know this, uh, but we know that this can be a game that the Packers can go in at home and win uh, so that they can keep those playoff hopes alive. And so we want to take a quick look at a few matchups that could go a long way in determining the winner of this game. Uh, So Andrew, what are some things that you're looking forward to watching in this one on Sunday?
3: Well, one is going to be the Miami Dolphins versus the weather, uh, because there is snow in the forecast. For Green Bay this weekend, so we'll we'll see. But it is it's definitely going to be cold in comparison to what the Miami players are used to. But on the field, I'm thinking Jimmy Graham and Randall Cobb work in the middle of, of the field versus the Dolphins' linebacking core. Mm-hmm. I actually really like the what the Dolphins have at linebacker: Kiko Alonso, Raquan McMillan, and Jerome Baker are actually really good. They're they're a very underrated linebacking group. And the whole Miami defense can be really tough at times. If the Packers can take advantage of them over the middle, it's going to go a long ways to opening up the rest of the field. So it's going to be really important for Rodgers to recognize when those guys are breaking open and fit it into what probably is going to be some pretty tight, tight windows with very athletic linebackers.
2: Absolutely. We'll watch to see if Jimmy Graham and Randall Cobb can expose that middle of the field on Sunday. Um, I want to look a little bit to see what Brock Osweiler is going to do versus this Packers defense. Uh, If you know any Dolphins fans or you interact with them on Twitter, you already know that that fan base has really grown pretty weary of having Ryan Tannehill as their starting quarterback. Uh, Well, be careful what you wish for Miami Dolphins fans because the injured Tannehill has been replaced by Brock Osweiler and uh, Miami fans are really, you know, quickly learning that things can get worse. Um, I read something yesterday that said that Osweiler has been one of the least aggressive quarterbacks in the league since filling in for Tannehill. So it will be really interesting to see if the Packers will load up uh, the box and just really dare the Dolphins to beat them through the air. Uh, We've all loved watching, you know, new cornerback, uh, Jair Alexander this season, but this could be a great opportunity for him to get another interception on that stat sheet, and a really great matchup for Tremont Williams to continue to get more
3: and more healthy playing that new safety position. The last time I saw Brock Osweiler in Green Bay, if memory serves me correctly, was with the Texans, and my brother and I were at the Big Ten Championship game in Indianapolis and woke up at like 3 a.m. to drive back to Green Bay to make it for a noon start, and it was snowing like crazy and Brock Haslow-Eiler had one of the worst games i've ever seen out of a quarterback. <laughs> let's for let's hope for a repeat of that on Sunday. Yeah, i mean i could do without the snow but right. i i could do with a, another poor performance from Brock. One matchup that i really like um or i'm looking forward to seeing i actually don't like this matchup is Kenyon Drake versus Blake Martinez and Oren Burks. The Green Bay defense has fared better against big bruising backs, so I'm actually not that concerned about Frank Gore. However, Kenyon Drake can be very explosive in both the run and the pass games, and the Packers have been susceptible to explosive plays. The, the, The Dolphins probably don't have the offensive talent to sustain long drives, but when they can score in bursts, they can certainly shock a team, and they put the blueprint on paper against the Bears, so slowing down Drake is going to go a really long ways towards coming up with a victory on Sunday.
2: Absolutely, uh, Andrew mentioned Cameron Wake earlier in the podcast as a veteran pass rushing option for the Packers. I did. Uh, this coming off, yeah, it's coming off season, and so Sunday we'll get a you know up close and personal look at Cameron Wake here at Lambeau Field. Um, The Dolphins' pass rusher, according to Pro Football Focus, is one of the most efficient defensive ends in the NFL at creating pressure. Um, I believe he's only gotten home for sacks three times this season, but he's always creating chaos for quarterbacks. He's coming off a dominant performance against the Jets, a game in which he earned two of those sacks. Uh, So it'll be interesting to see if he matches up with David Bakhtiari which would be ideal for the Packers, but my guess is that the Dolphins are going to put him in a position to rush against either a less than 100% Brian Balaga or Jason Spriggs at that right tackle spot. So uh, that could be some bad news for Aaron Rodgers and company. So we'll be, you know, interesting to see what uh, measures the Packers take to slow down Wake and this Dolphins pass
3: rush. Maybe they could try to block him with a five foot seven running back. That's not a bad idea. I mean, it works against Clay Matthews, so, so why not?
2: <laughs> oh, my gosh. Shots
3: fired. Shots okay. fired. Okay, so this is our weekly segment on the status of the Packers' two first-round picks. Green Bay's own first-rounder is currently at pick 14. I think we're familiar with that number. Yeah. And the Saints pick is at pick 30 because they just keep winning. The two picks combined value, actually, if they were going to trade them, according to the NFL draft trade chart, would equate to the number five overall selection. So that's cool. Of course, we are definitely hoping the Packers pick much later in the first round with their own pick. The Saints do travel to Cincinnati at noon on Sunday, so they do face a pretty good team this week. Somebody needs to knock the Saints train off the tracks. And uh, why not Andy Dalton? Why, Why can't it be Andy's time to shine?
2: Yeah, let's I, put all, all of our eggs in the basket of the red rifle this week.
3: Oh, I was just going to make a red joke. I was going to oh, say. Oh, I stole it from you. It's Andy Dalton's time to shine, and him shining will probably be a bright red light. But okay, <laughs> All
2: right, let's move on to the injury update portion of the show. Uh, we'll wrap up today's show with this quick injury update. Obviously, the news about Geronimo Allison being placed on IR is not great news, but the rest of the team is in relatively good health. Uh, Kevin King was the only Packer who missed practice on Thursday. The Packers are unlikely to have King on Sunday as he deals with that hamstring injury. The Packers used uh, one of their first, uh, I guess, their first of two designations from the IR on wide receiver Trevor Davis. Davis was at practice on Thursday, and we assume that he'll factor into that return game on Sunday afternoon. Uh, one other interesting development is that Mike McCarthy noted that Justin McCray is now fully healthy, uh, but that the team will be sticking with Byron Bell at right guard for the foreseeable future. Uh, finally, Mike Daniels was kind of a surprise add to the injury report on Thursday with a shoulder injury. Uh, he was limited in that practice on Thursday, but we've heard nothing to make us believe that he's in danger of missing Sunday's game versus Miami. And so we'll uh, keep you posted on that and the development of Daniels' injury and any other uh, injuries as we get a little bit closer to the game. And the Packaday team will keep you updated.
3: So I could actually hear you smiling when you talk about Justin McCray being benched. That's, <laughs> that's very personally hurtful it's, to me. It's very on brand for me. I also want to give our audience a little bit of inside information. I do live further than 0. 0.7 miles from Lambeau, so I'm not the foremost expert, but I did see Trevor Davis in person a few weeks ago and he looked jacked. Like he must've been on the weightlifting program this off season. He's had a little bit of extra time, you know, these last couple of weeks. So yeah, I put him in some in good position to look pretty good. So hopefully he comes back and, uh, really helps boost the special teams. Yeah, but this has been the Packaday Podcast. We are totally out of time. You can find Kyle on Twitter at Packer underscore pundit and you can find me at Andrew Mertig. Remember to follow the at Packaday Podcast Twitter handle as well. Uh please subscribe to the Packaday podcast if you like what we're doing. Tomorrow's episode is going to be hosted by Jake and Mark and make sure you listen on Sunday to Jacob and Zach as they get you ready for the game. You can catch Kyle and myself every Friday. We're going to be back next Friday with a recap of the Packers' Week Eleven Thursday night game against the Seattle Seahawks. So that sounds like a nice late night for us. Thanks for listening, and as always, remember. Rodgers
4: gets the snap. Blitz is on. Rodgers scrambles left, winds up, he's got Cobb at the ten to the play to the end zone and a dagger oh my goodness an nfc north division championship dagger of 47 yards castleback maybe changing the play of the line look left and right takes the snap short drop quick throw left yes! going down the right side he he the in oh. touchdown, touchdown.
0: Scrambles to his left, under pressure, rolling right, escapes, right side looking, rainbows high and deep, Uh-oh. into the end zone, and it is caught, caught for a touchdown, a leaping touchdown catch is made, and the
1: Packers have won, Unbelievable.